0: Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht.
1: Welcome to episode 26 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name is Jeremy. We've got an awesome conversation coming up for you with the real Mike Miller. Him and his wife Nancy co lead a brand new church plant down in Halifax, Nova Scotia called Nova Church. And we just had the opportunity to sit down just last week. So this is fresh and have a conversation about church planting. We talked leadership. We talked family. We talked marriage. We talked personal challenge. We even talked COVID-19. And so this is really fresh. I know you're going to be encouraged by it. So stay tuned for that conversation. But before we get to that, I wanted to encourage leaders out there. Obviously, we're in the midst of of some unprecedented times. And uh, life as we knew it. Um, has drastically changed over the past couple weeks and, and is continually evolving. We're, we're, we're getting up-to-date information constantly coming in through internet streams and live feeds and buzz feeds and everything else. And we're finding up-to-date information on this current COVID-19 crisis. And I wanted to encourage leaders out there who might be wondering, how can I lead in such uncertain times? Um, what's my place? Where what's my role right now? I can't go to an office. I, I can't. I, I'm working remotely at home, as we all are, trying to do our part. And so, what could I possibly offer people in such unprecedented times? And, and the first thing I want to say is is to find some consistency. I think one of the greatest things that you can offer your people or the people you're leading is consistency. We, as I mentioned a moment ago, are in are in some such a fluid state right now. Things are constantly evolving and changing every minute, it seems sometimes. Um, And and so one of the greatest things that we can offer our people in such uncertain times is is some form of consistency. So find something that you can offer your people and then remain consistent with it. Um, One of the the things that I believe um, plays into and feeds consistency is, is just the peace that we can bring in such uncertain times. I think one of the greatest things you can offer right now, especially as people of faith who believe in a God who still sits on the throne and is very much in control, I believe one of the greatest uh, gifts we can offer our people is just the presence of peace, that type of peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense in such uncertain times. How can that person be so at peace with all of this? Because our peace is not founded upon our situation. It's not founded upon our health. It's not founded upon our stuff life going well, it's rooted in Jesus himself. And so that's how we're able to offer peace in such anxious times. And let me just remind you today, um, one of the, one of the greatest things, I I know there are all types of, uh, just different things, rumors and different theories being spread around even about COVID. And there's, there's such a, a sense of fear amongst people that's really beginning to rise. And, um, I, I want to remind you that the greatest antidote to fear is not to, to fear less. The greatest antidote to, to any type of fear is always trust. And so one of the things you can offer your people, the people you're leading today, is, is encouraging them to trust God more. Not to fear less, but to put their hope, their trust in God himself. Because he is the one that is in control. It, it doesn't mean that it makes everything go away or makes everything run smoother or, or this all goes away and we can kind of cover our heads under our pillow and just uh, pull them out and everything's gone. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. But we can be people that put our trust in the one who has this world in the palm of his hand and is stary- still very much in control of all of our situations, of our lives, and so we can offer that to our people. The final thing I'd say to this before we get to the interview is is to find consistently find problems. I think the leaders I've watched online and from a distance and had conversations with over the phone or through Zoom calls, one of the one of the consistent um, components to their leadership right now, the ones who are doing it well, is they're all finding problems to solve. Um, these types of leaders are the leaders that see every negative as an opportunity. We can call it, You can call this crisis. You can call it whatever you want. But what it really is is an opportunity for, for people to solve problems, um, to find uh, an opportunity and bring a positive to it, uh, that you wouldn't be deterred by what, what you can't do, but you'd be encouraged by what you can do. So you can't maybe lead the same way you could a week ago or three weeks ago. But you can do something. And so find what that is. Whatever you can offer your people. Find a problem that needs to be solved. Solve it and then bring uh, that consistent message over and over and over again. And you'll find yourselves being able to lead still with excellence even through this current crisis we find ourselves in. All right, leaders. I've made you wait long enough. Here is my conversation with Mike Miller. All right, listeners. I've got longtime friend and uh, actually no stranger to Eastern Ontario and Nunavut District guy by the name of Mike Miller. He's a uh, he's a real friend. We got to know each other quite a few years ago now. At, at uh, I think it was Ottawa Valley Pentecostal Camp. He was there speaking as a for Junior High Camp. I believe Jeff Hillier had brought him in. A mutual friend. And uh, we got to know each other a little bit there. And then ever since, just kind of clicked. And uh, Mike's just one of those guys that um, you can depend on. He'll just text you out of the blue, call you out of the blue, want nothing from you, just see how you're doing. And I just, uh, I appreciate you so much, Mike, and you willing to do this interview today. You have so much to offer. Um, Not just but across Canada, and I know you're sought after in terms of speaking, and I know it's not just you alone. You are married to a very capable, sharp leader um, named Nancy Miller, and I know you have two beautiful kids, Josh and Maddie, and uh, and you guys have planted this church called Nova Church down there in Halifax, relatively new. And So, Mike, I'm wondering if we could maybe just start, not necessarily with the, uh, the church per se, but... Mike, I want to get personal for a second. We're going to get into all sorts of things and and, um, even this current crisis we're facing, COVID-19, and how you guys are navigating that down there. but well, First of all, just talk to us a little personally about you, and, and we were really hoping to have Nancy on the call today, but understand you guys are so busy right now, she couldn't be with us, but I want all our listeners to know it, we were really looking forward to having both of you, not, not just you, but both of you, but we'll take you, Mike, <laughs> uh, on your own today. So Mike, talk to us about uh, how long uh, you guys have been married, um, and then maybe how long you've been pastoring and uh, have you kind of your journey, even as a couple, uh, let's just pretend Nancy is here for a second. And and, uh, we always feel like we know Nancy anyways, wherever you go, because you talk so highly (laughs) about her. And uh, we we appreciate that so much. Even if you haven't met Nancy, you feel like you have if you've ever met Mike. So that's a good thing. Um, So Mike, talk to us, uh, share your your journey a little bit to hear.
0: Oh, I think that's the best intro ever when you talk about Nancy. And and (laughs) thanks, Jer. Uh, Love you. Love your family and love you as a leader, father, husband, friend, and it's an honor. And yeah, I wish Nancy could be on here. Outside of Jesus, she is the greatest influence on my life uh, in shaping in shaping who I am today, honestly. And um, she's actually wow. in between Zoom calls. She just met with a whole bunch of our leaders and she's meeting with our finance team right now through Zoom, just navigating um, these times that we're in. I guess it's called a crisis, yeah. but we also see opportunity in the middle of this. Um, exactly. With us, yeah, we married, we'll married. be married 20 years coming up in May, which is actually wow. starting to sound like something. Uh, <laughs> that's like six Hollywood weddings. It's true. It's and, true. And uh, Nancy turned 45 in March. Um, so I married a much older woman. I turned 45 uh, in May. <laughs> so we're two, two months <laughs> apart. Um, yeah. And I've always been ministry-minded. I wrestled with it in my early 20s of, I thought, maybe... I'd go into some other field, but always kind of feeling it. And then we got married when we were both 25. And I, and I knew I was going to do ministry full time. And Nancy knew that when she met me. So we, we worked right. towards that. And I went full time at age 30. I was a missions pastor, set up a missions um, base, short-term missions base for a local church, sending about 100 people a year internationally. From there, went into youth pastoring work. From there, into young adult ministry. Um, from there, traveling full time. For two and a half years. So I've been really pastoring full time for about 15 years. Uh, And then together, um, you know, Nancy, we had young kids, and through that, Nancy was obviously an influence with the young adult ministry and youth ministry, but not to the level that she is now. But when we planted Nova, we decided if we're going to do this, it has to be something we both are all in on and both leading. So we've been co leading. Uh, The church is two and a half years old, but we launched um, the process a year before that. So really co-leading, um, again, different levels and growing through this, but three and a half years pastoring no- Nova okay. Church together.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Hey, and Mike, I know a little bit of your journey, and you just alluded to it there, even uh, that time spent kind of traveling full-time, um, and I know kind of your journey exit out of last place of ministry before that, but just talk to us for a second, just even about Nova, not specifically Nova, but in church planning specifically mike did you always know did you and nancy know like did either of you maybe both of you ever feel even from the time you guys met or were together or maybe as young kids even that you would one day plan a church or did the, how did that kind of arrive on your lap well there
0: was this this uh hike in the woods one day and we saw this ram caught in a thicket and no i'm kidding i w- i wish i, <laughs> I knew you were was, kidding right there away was, but... there, there was a puppet that showed up in a in a and a fireball in the sky. Uh, yes. and, that's why, and that's why we launched the cult that is Nova. No, uh, um, Nancy didn't grow up in the church, very much unchristian home. And I, I say okay. that to say that, you know, once in a while we have a conversation going, If you, would you have thought at 18 that you'd be doing this? And she had no church background right. and... Grew up Roman Catholic, but wasn't even a good Roman Catholic. And, you know, she was an ECRC, (laughs) Easter Christmas Roman Catholic. And yeah, but and then but no, to say that, you know, from my childhood, even in our marriage, it was never on our lips. It was never in our heart. It wasn't even in our mind. Um, We never wanted to lead like this. It wasn't it wasn't something we thought about, talked about. Um, I really enjoy following. Uh, I enjoy enjoy leading But a part of something larger, I like to say that I like having a room in a much larger house. I love team. I love, I think that's why I'm I'm giving so much even connection and relationship with guys like you that I love feeling like I'm in the trenches with somebody. Um, And I like to lead, but I like to lead under authority. That's one reason. Um, Growing up at a part of an independent, a great church. But when we did start a church, I, I joined the Pentecostal assemblies because I wanted to be a part of something. Bigger. I want, I wanted yeah. to answer to people. I want people to speak into my life. I want to feel like yeah. we were pulling weight, building something bigger. And it wasn't on our heart at all. To be honest, lead pastoring for me, I, 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 you know, selfishly, maybe even immature wise, I just wanted nothing to do with it because I saw, I think my eyes were open enough to realize it wasn't, you get all the power and all the say and all the opportunity. I saw, you know, yeah. meetings dealing with staff meetings, dealing with fixing parking lots and air conditioning you know, units. I saw meetings to deal with the real, you know, logistics and, and the grind that goes with ministry. That's not the preaching or teaching or discipleship. And no part of me wanted to really do that. I didn't feel the weight or the calling to do that. Um, so it was never on my mind. Now, Nancy started to see things before me. She said, I feel like there's greater leadership on you than what you're doing. Um, but I would shut it down. And, um, But really, it wasn't on our lips or hearts. So even when we transitioned from where we were, it wasn't out of, hey, let's go do something else. It was more of, uh, this is a great church and they're doing great things, but we feel like it's a different direction um, than what we want. And we feel like we couldn't fully buy in. So I know enough about following and leadership that unless you're pulling with everything you got, you're actually working against And I didn't want to be that guy working against the vision. I didn't want to frustrate those around me or I didn't want to be frustrated myself. So we chose to step away, but we didn't step away to do something else. We stepped away thinking we just can't do that and then see what God wanted to do in that time. And which led to full-time traveling for two and a half years, which I'll add a lot of people love and love the idea. And a lot of young preachers want that. I never wanted it. I knew it wasn't my calling. Mm. I knew it wasn't fulfilling. It was a part of my calling. But never did I ever think this will take off. I thought I'll do this. Thank God he's letting me do this. Until I passed her, some right. I passed her somewhere else, which I think I thought was going to be a part of another team somewhere.
1: Right. Wow. Quite a journey, and, and I know we had had conversations even over those two and a half years, Mike, one on one, and the you know how challenging it can be. Glamorous, yes, from from a distance it looks to be on the road full time. And doing what you you did, and you're right. God was so good and so faithful yes, was. this season for you and your family. But it it is the last you know word that would come to my mind would be glamorous <laughs> when it comes to being on the road full. Well, time. everybody, everybody, uh, I, don't, I don't. Everybody <laughs>
0: loves the idea of the conference of three thousand in the middle of the states where sure, where you sure. say Dallas Cowboys and they all cheer, but no one wants to talk about the thirty kids in the middle of Manitoba yeah. in January. Yeah. Come on, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's it. Yeah. That's it. No, that's good. And I appreciate your transparency in that. And I, I think that speaks to a lot of young leaders, like you say, who maybe look at it and go, wow, I'd, I'd love to do that one day without realizing what it's really like. Yeah. Um, what's What's been the biggest challenge maybe for you as uh, not just as an individual, but as a couple, maybe even as a family in ministry since launching Nova Church? Because it takes a lot more. Mm. Church planning is no joke. Yeah and uh it's hard work mm. and it's not just a matter of hey, we're gonna do this uh because we don't like how it's being done anywhere else. Right. I know that's not your heart, yeah. I know that's not Nancy's heart um and that certainly wouldn't be the way you lead your own kids to view church that way and so Talk to us for a moment, maybe some of the challenges, maybe those have even turned into opportunities. I don't want to be all negative, but Yeah, we can go to the opportunities out of that in a moment. But what have been some of the biggest struggles, speaking to any young leaders out there who might be contemplating church planting? Is this in their DNA, in their future? Is God leading them toward this? Um, but but what about church planting has really had the biggest impact been the greatest obstacle mm. challenge whatever on your on your family on your marriage uh, even as you as
0: individuals yeah great question um i heard a friend in the states who planted the same time we did said it this way he said i think i underestimated the challenge of church planting and i think i overestimated my leadership capacity and wow. the truth is it's probably somewhere in the middle um the yeah. biggest challenge and this is going to sound like a quote or sound like it's some, this is a great line But I mean it. The greatest challenge has been me. 100% me. Here's what I mean by that is when you start something, you know, you can find people or God brings you people to lead and you get to one level and then maybe another level someone goes, I don't think I can lead at that level. And they naturally transition out whether they take a job somewhere else or they move to another school or they just feel like their season's done. When you're you're the leader, you don't have the option – to transition out meaning you have to keep growing your capacity so when right. you're younger or maybe a little more innocent you see these churches of a thousand two thousand three thousand thinking man so much opportunity i look at it now going how do they keep how does the leader keep growing his capacity or her capacity because everybody else can have a stretch limit where they're like you know what i can grow youth group to 100 but i can't do 500 so they bring in someone else but as the leader You have to keep stretching. So me and Nancy say all the time, we have stretch marks on our growth capacity. So for us, again, you know, I've been leading for 15 years, but not at this capacity. Um, I was pastoring, you know, a, a fairly significant size and influence young adult and youth ministry. And then I shrunk my pastoring gift because I went on the road and on the road speaking, as you know, is very different than pastoring. It's it, there's its own gift mix and it's challenging, but it's not pastoring; it's speaking. Yeah. So my my gifting yeah. as a pastor shrunk for two and a half years, and then we go into. Nancy went from zero to a hundred. I went from like sixty down to thirty, up to a hundred. Nancy went from zero to a. The biggest challenge has been for us to navigate our own spirits in this. You know, you have your down days and up days. Thank God that we're both pretty stable mentally, emotionally. Uh, We don't really have highs and lows, but to navigate, you know, now friends that were friends, but now you're their pastor and navigating that relationship, navigating that everybody loves you when you give opportunities, but when you give correction, now there's pushback, navigating the weight of finances and budgets and um, disappointments. And then just the difference of now you're preaching 50, 51, 52 times a year without any extra things and navigating staff meetings and Buildings and leases and storage units and utilities and codes. And so for me and Nancy, the biggest challenge has been us as far as growing our capacity to make sure we're leading well, leading the right direction. And we don't have the option to push pause and go, all right, we're at our limit. Let's just take a break and catch our breath. Because once you launch something, it's like having kids when you have kids, you can't give them back and go. We need a week off. Once you parent, it's like parenting looks really good on Instagram and on all the TV movies. But once you yeah, have right. kids, you know there's a difference between babysitting and parenting, and the difference is you don't give them back.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah.
0: that it's been wonderful, but that has been the biggest challenge.
1: Wow, oh, that's deep, and uh, yeah, so much you said there that you know just causes me to to pause and think about you know things that maybe the average person looking at church planning and again even looking at it from a distance the glamour of it wow it's so cool to have you know be doing that together with team and the community and everything else we don't often think of all the other challenges related to that yeah. you know um and that's one i haven't heard a whole lot just the the challenge of you don't get to you're right. You don't get to step down or say, well, I'm going to pass this off to say you built this, you know, yep. obviously it's built on Jesus and, and built by him. But you guys built this. It's not like, OK, we feel like we've done what we can here. You know, yeah. after two years, we're going to pass this off to yeah. somebody else. This is your baby, yep. you know, and, and you've got to raise it now. And to do that, just like you said, that's a great analogy with parenting, that you have to grow as a parent. It's the yeah, same way. Yeah, exactly. You can't stay parenting the same way a baby as you do an adolescent or a teenager. No, and especially when you start um,
0: adding kids to the family, right? And you yeah, know, practically, yeah. you go from a Honda Civic, you go to a four-door, you go to a minivan. There's practical logistics with growth. You go from maybe a basement apartment to a townhouse, whatever. Um, it's the same thing. And you, everybody likes the idea of growth. But it co- it costs yeah. in every different arena of your life. The cost gets greater the more you grow, and it's the same thing with with anything you lead, especially church. Yeah, wow, that's so true,
1: Mike. One more kind of more more personal on the personal note to do with you and Nancy <laughs> leading this, and you mentioned you guys are co-leading, which I yeah. think is awesome, and and I think we're starting to see more and more of that, yeah. which I think is great, actually. Um, there's There's some real awesome couples out there that just have great capacity to lead um, all kinds of people and uh, especially in ministry today. and so I think it's awesome that you two are are kind of leading the way there's There's a few others I know, personal friends uh, of ours, even couples we've had on the podcast before. Um, but I think it's awesome that you guys are doing this together. However, having said that, um, the temptation, I can only assume, and I know it happens even, you know, on a much smaller scale, you know, when back when we were in youth ministry and, and kind of doing it together, even though only one of us got a paycheck, yeah. but we were still very much both involved. Um, how, as as you guys have set out to plant Nova Church and both co-leading this, and you're in staff meetings, you talked about Nancy being on a Zoom meeting right now and dealing with finances and this and leading your team and... How do you guys guard your own personal time as a married couple so that, and here's what I mean by that, so that you're not found, you know, every waking moment is, is talk about Nova yeah. or talk about this plant that you got. Like, how do you guys do that? Do you have some boundaries? Some, I'm sure you do, but talk to us about that. What you guys have in place to make sure that it's not everything because there is life outside <laughs> of Nova yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, um, I would assume anyways, yeah. but talk to us about that, how that's been for you guys. Yeah.
0: Great question. Let me say this, that we don't have this solved. It's, it's not a problem to solve. It's attention to manage. So we're still working on yeah, that. It's good. And there's different seasons have different. Yeah. So one rule doesn't always work. So let me just kind of reverse engineer and come at this from another angle. Um, Cause I, I had people contact me, Hey, I'm looking to plant a church and I'm doing this. I don't know how someone if they're married would not do this with their spouse. I'll say here's right. the, here's what the game changer for us was, Jerry's This is I've never in three and a half years felt like Nova came between me and my family. And I'll, I'll put it this way. Sometimes with young adult ministry, it's like I have to go to a meeting or I had to go to an event and my wife would be like, but we have a birthday party for Josh. He has to go to, or, and sometimes it felt like we'd navigate. So we'd sit down and do the schedule and go, Okay, where are the no-go zones? And that's good. The difference with Nova is Nova feels like our third kid. And what I mean by that is mm. if, Josh, if, if I'm taking Josh to soccer and Nancy's taking, staying home with Maddie to do homework, she never says, what? You're taking Josh to soccer. Like, why aren't you home tonight? She's like, no, no, we're dividing and conquering because she knows Josh is her responsibility as well. So I'm actually helping. Or if, if she's taking Maddie somewhere, I'm like, okay, I got Josh. So as a family, we're like, we're one team, one mind, and we feel like we're dividing, but to reach the same goal. Nova feels the exact same way. So like if I'm with the kids and Nancy's on a call, I never feel like, why are you working? Because we planted it as a family. um, And because from day one, it wasn't, this is my idea, my dream, and then get on board. Because of that, I am really thankful. Because I can honestly say not once did it come down to, why are you doing that? What about home? Um that has been the difference from day 1 that we did this together. Now it's not been easy. We've had to navigate personalities and our own giftings and I've had to learn how to be a co-chair. I've I've never been a co-chair. I've I've seen it from a distance. I've never sat under husband and wife uh pastors. Um right. I've led things, I've followed things. I've never co-led anything. So it's been new it's been right. new for me, but for us the first thing I'd say is The great thing is I never feel a tug of ministry dragging from my family. We've always done it together. And a lot of things we do together in the same room. But if not, it still feels like we're together. So like yesterday, we were dropping off um, gifts to our leaders, a book to read, some pick-me-ups, some things, games for their kids while they're in isolation. Um, And the kids were in the back. Honestly, they were on their phones, listening to music. And we said, we don't usually let headphones in the car, but like, yeah, guys, do it. And for five five yep. hours, we drove all over the city, dropping off um, dozens of these gifts together um, as a family. That is normal for us. Wow. Uh,
1: wow. As far
0: as boundaries, we do have a day off. We call it Miller Monday. Um, and I would say nice. 90% of the time, it, it really is a Sabbath. Sometimes it's not, but there is schedules and seasons. And I don't think you can be 100% rigid that you can't touch that day. But generally we don't respond to texts or emails now we don't fully rest we're doing our own work you know yard work and errands and family but we pretty much take a day where there's we're not pastors on that day um right. generally we're like we eat supper together six nights a week and if we're not it's because the kids are at a friend's house or we're at a friends' house like we we protect family supper time um, yeah. our, our yeah. kids live in another uh, go to another school district so we drop them off and pick them up every single day from school Um, one of us does. So we're always with their family that way. It's rare that I'm out of the house in the evenings. It's rare that Nancy's out. Um, we really protect our evenings. Um, and and what's been really good is we do talk about Nova a lot. Um, but before when I was pastoring full time and Nancy was home working, I'd come home and she'd say, how was that meeting? She knew it was going to be a really good meeting or a challenging meeting. And I'd be like, I don't want to talk about it. Like I just, I just talked for two right. hours and she's like I need you to process it with me now I feel like she really understands my world because it's her world so mm. she's like now I'll come home she's like anything I need to know from that meeting I'm like nope she's like okay good <laughs> she doesn't want the backstory <laughs> or I'll be like yeah a couple of things moving forward I made a couple of decisions we'll talk tomorrow she's like great yeah. so we actually yeah. understand each other or she'll be like before she'd be good. like get off why are you on your phone so much now I'll be driving. She's like I got to be on my phone for the next half hour. I'm just going to answer these texts. I'm like great. And there's been a real uh symmetry and 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 synchronizing with us. Um but yeah. you know our evenings are pretty much non-nova. We try to keep Mondays non-nova. She lets she understands I like to nap a lot. I do that once I've poured out a lot like mentally. I find naps recharging. So we're learning each other's rhythms. And then we yeah. try to look for fun. And the great thing about having kids is we're very much focused on our kids of what's the atmosphere. Does it always work? Even though is a blast for them, they really do love it. Um, yeah. Like we had a vacation day this summer where we were just going to go to the beach on a Sunday and our kids were like, can you drop us off at church? And my kids aren't those super spiritual kids. Like they're not like me- mem- memorizing sure, the book sure. of the Bible and watching veggie Tales. Yeah. They yeah. honestly, yeah. they're they're the cool kids and they're like, they just love seeing their friends and setting up but we try to keep adding fun, so we're always looking at the, the cup of fun and atmosphere going, okay, what are we doing to make sure we're not obsessed with church all the time? So we're we're always assessing and evaluating.
1: That's uh, so good, Mike. Uh, that's awesome. You said a bunch of stuff there, just... A few different items. I think one of the things that jumped out at me was you've planted or done your best anyways to plant Nova as a family. And I think that makes all the difference. That priority that this wasn't something that mom or dad had in mind and just decided to do and kind of, like you said, pull and drag everyone else along for the ride. It's like, no. And and you can tell that even even through your social media and, and different things that you post, you can tell you guys are all in and you can tell even from a distance. I know, again, we get the highlight reel, but you can tell Josh and Maddie are right there
0: with you guys, and they're well, loving this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you uh, a story. I think it was three years ago we had our first social, which is where you you put all the advertisements out, going, "Hey, if you just want to hear about Nova, come to this this place at this location." Yeah. And Maddie would have been ten, and we were. She yeah. was in the lobby when people came in. She would take their coat, putting on a coat rack. She'd walk them down the hallway, walk them into this hotel big ballroom, and said, "There's tea and coffee." um if you could go over there we, we have a, wow. and she re- and she did that on her own like we have stories from so day cool. one yeah. all of us so it wasn't like we get this thing up and running and then introduce them they all have their own like we could tell you story after story where maddie sat in on meetings where i had to negotiate for a space and the this person didn't want to rent to a church and she saw god's favor come in and melt this person's heart right in front of her eyes and we walked out and wow. she's like dad you have a superpower. I'm like, what's that? She was, you can, you can make anybody say yes. And I I had a chance to talk to her about favor and the anointing and what God and she remembers that at at age 10. So that's been wonderful.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm convinced uh, like you, Mike, that our, our kids, anyone listening out there who has kids and is parenting, especially in ministry or leadership, that our kids need not more education, but more experiences. That's the one thing the enemy cannot take. And you taking them on this journey, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to plant a church. Watch us do this. It's another thing to take your kids on that experience and let them experience, like you say, the favor and the miracles that are happening in the midst of it all. I just think is your kids will never forget no. that. And that's what's actually going to keep them engaged in love, not just with Jesus, but with his church 20, 25, 30 years yeah, down the road. I agree. I think that's so I cool. Agree. Awesome. Uh, Mike, let let me talk to you about uh, about Nova Church specifically um, in church planning still for a second. And I want to get really personal, some personal leadership questions. I want to kind of end there in a few moments. But before we get there, um, what's been the biggest, I'm wondering, you know, I know Nova Church has really taken off and uh, some would would say successful. I don't know if you'd term it that way or that can be so hard to even gauge and it's so new and young yet. But I'm wondering what the biggest surprise has been to you or maybe Nancy or both of you. Uh, and that could be either positive or negative <laughs> about planting a church and not even Nova specifically, but about church planning specifically. What's been the biggest surprise? And I know you've alluded to a few things mm. that you've talked about challenges in planting, but what's been the biggest surprise to you maybe that you just did not see coming at all?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, biggest surprise, I'm not sure. Let me say this is... A surprise! and again, I think I would have said this with my mouth that I believed it, but to be honest, right. looking back on the other side of it, I don't know if I believed it the way I'm seeing it, and that's this sure people are not closed to the gospel now i would have wow. I would have said that, and I would have preached that, I would have believed it probably at a head level, but like in 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 two and a half years we're we're closing in on four hundred salvations. Now, not wow. all those people are in the church and some, you know, sure. but, but that's yeah. not even counting hands that went up. That's counting people filling out, filling right. out a card, their name, and some, and okay. some, of it might've been an emotional moment. And we know all that. Um, but enough that someone had a moment in church and said, I want to fill this yeah. out yeah. and people inviting people, like it's normal. What I've enjoyed the most, Jerry, is every single Sunday, you never know who's going to walk in. And I've never been a part of something like that where you honestly, every Sunday thinking who's going to walk in today that a year from now could be our best friends a year from now could be a part of our team. Cause we have people on our team thinking a year ago, we didn't know you a year and we can't imagine our lives without them. So there's almost this, there's yeah. almost this giddiness of, Hey, this person showed up in our text feed and man, they really enjoyed this. or they saw the flags on the road or someone invited them or they've been watching online. And so Like our next steps class is a class that people can join and it's 30 minutes after each class, after each service. And it's just, first week is explaining salvation, which, you know, if you've been around faith, you're thinking that's so basic, but a lot of people, they don't know what salvation means. And we want to explain what they did if they made a commitment. And then we walk through our church's DNA and then we walk through, um, how we do church and we walk through our government and then we walk through where they can fit and then they can join the team. Right. um, You know, three years in, it's not uncommon to walk in on a Sunday morning after church and there's 20 people in there. So like people just want to be a part and inviting their friends. Like last year, we give every first time guest a a gift. And I think last year we had 450 first time guests that actually identified and said, I want, I want, I'm a guest to see people come and, and people invite their friends. Like our kids wear Nova gear. And again, they're not the church kids that thinking I love church. Like, I don't even know if the kids know where their Bibles are right now, to be honest. Like, I'm like, guys, you've got to read your Bible. This
1: <laughs> got real, real like, talk.
0: Like, that's, that's my kids. <laughs> but we have teachers that are in our church now that did not have a faith background. But they started seeing our logo on these kids' shirts. And they kept saying, all these kids are really good kids. What's There's something different about these kids. So they started researching. And they're in our church today on our team, got saved, wow. baptized, because of teenagers and, and, and kids so good. and, and people are inviting people. We, there's kids that wear Nova gear. They don't even come to church. People are just fascinated. And for people to invite people to come and people aren't opposed to coming. I've just, I, I would have said that people are open to church and hope and Jesus, but that has been such a brilliant and wonderful blessing and surprise that, and we honestly feel like we'd invite anybody to church. Now I know yeah. part of your gifting is evangelism and you talk to people and, um, but to see, even in myself, like I'd invite anybody to our church, like people are are sharing our online, ch- like people are proud of their church, not in a wrong way. They're excited about their faith. They feel like they can trust the atmosphere. And I mean, we have the down and outs and the up and atoms. So I can tell you stories about people that are nationally making a difference and people that are just, like on hard times and you never know who's going to walk in on Sunday. And wow. it's, it's this giddy anticipation of man, who's coming to church today. And it's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, let, let me drill down on something you, you mentioned there, Mike, you, you talked about, you know, and I know you guys have this, this, it seems anyways, from a distance, you have this real culture of community family. And I know you and Nancy have really you know, done a lot to build that. And I'm sure your team and your staff of volunteers have, have done that too. But uh, you mentioned there that you could walk in on, you know, first time on a Sunday, you fill out a card, you go to the next steps class. Um, did I hear you say, and I, I'm just curious, because I, I think this is something that the churches need to pay attention to more. And, and I'm personally intrigued by this, but if I walk in to Nova on first, it's my first time on a Sunday I fill out a card. I go to that next steps class. You talk about all the things you just mentioned that you talk about in that class. Yeah. Um, and then I say, I want to help out with something. Could the next Sunday, potentially I could come back and be on a team of volunteers helping with something. Is that correct? Or, or how does that process mm-hmm.
0: work for Nova? Yes and no. So the, the easy answer is no, okay. it's four, it's four weeks. You know, the reason okay. why we do this. Okay. So it's only, it's a 30 minute class after every service. So there's four steps and the great thing is you don't need to take them in any order. So if this week is step four, jump in and take step four. And then, and then next week catch step one, maybe you get two steps you're gone for work for three weeks, come back, finish it up. So it's really simple. And here's why it's a great format. A lot of churches use it, but here's why I love it. The old model. And this is one of the reasons why I was really not thinking about being a lead pastor and the difference between a lead pastor and a senior pastor is lead pastors wear skinny jeans. That's the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: true. So true.
0: So, uh, is I, when I was growing up, like the lead pastor had to do everything. So, if you caught your teenager with drugs, you had to go see the lead pastor. If your marriage was falling apart, we've got to meet with the lead pastor. If your finances were falling down, we've got to meet with the lead pastor. If you were sick, the prayer yeah. only counted. Yeah if the lead pastor came That's and I right. said, I don't want to be that guy. Cause I saw these guys burnt out. Yeah. And here's where I've realized we can be the authority, but not the expert. Mm-hmm. And just because like my daughter, when she has a fever, um, I'm the authority in the house, but I'm not going to diagnose her. I'm going to take her to an expert. I'm the authority, but I know I'm not the expert. So who says, just cause me and Nancy are the leaders that we have the best marriage in our church. Right. Who says, because we're the leaders, we're the best at budgeting. So we, we have teams that do things. So that's one thing. And next steps, the thing is what used to happen was if you went to a church and you wanted to get involved, you'd email the lead pastor. And if, you, if they're anything like me, you'd be horrible at email and they'd get back to you maybe in two weeks. And then they would say, we have a membership class happening in a month and a half. If you can come out on a Wednesday night, we'll have coffee and donuts. If you, if you stuck with it and you came out two months later, yeah. it'd be a four-hour class. And when that was done, they would say, okay, you need to sit in the pew for a year. And when that year's done, when we know you and you know our culture, then you can serve. Right. Most people would never. And I don't know if someone walking in, if they're rough, if they don't know anything, or if they're an amazing leader from another part of the country. Right? What Next Steps does is it removes the pastor from being the, 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 the bottleneck. Yep. And it's so there are people serving I've never met. So what happens is, is you go through these Next Steps. So you, you know what we believe. You know our foundation, our standards. You, you know faith. And then we can plug you in. Now, we'll plug you in week four. You're in. Now, we won't put you on culture building ministries. You're not going to be on the worship team right away. You're not going to be preaching. Right. But you can be on cafe. You can load a truck. You can be on the welcome team. You can be on the atmosphere team. You can be on the ushering team. You can be on the production team that's setting up and tearing down and working cameras. And the best story, Jer, was I was preaching one day and this guy walked out. And brought my pulpit out as I'm getting ready to preach. I had never seen him before in my life. Wow. And right in front of everybody in the microphone, I said, okay, just stop for a second. I said, what's your name? Everybody laughed. I said, have you been going to this church for long? And again, I grew up in a place where you wouldn't even be near the stage yeah. unless people, right. unless your grandparents went to that church. Right. And so I knew the process that we had in place. So I could trust myself to ask this question. I said to this guy named Jordash. he said, my name is Jordash." I'm like, like the jeans. He was like the jeans. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, he have been going to this church, you know, good looking 25 year old muscles. I'm like, "Yeah." um, okay. Have you been going to this church for a while? He's like, yeah, six months. I'm like, Oh, awesome. I'm like, did you, did you do next steps? He goes, I did. I'm like, and you're serving on the production team. He's like, yep. I'm like, this is the first time I've ever seen you. He goes, "Yep, first time we've ever talked." And the whole church is laughing. <laughs> wow,
1: that's cool. But
0: what, but what has done is, it's created a, a, a really a pipeline for people because yeah. people, people want to be a part of something. They don't want to watch. Totally,
1: something. totally, yeah. So
0: we'll have people loading out gear, and I, I'll be honest. I'll say to somebody, "Are they with us? Because are they stealing our speakers? or Are they helping us?" <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny. No. I'm completely serious. Yeah. And you know, they smell like smoke, and they and they're dealing with issues, and they got stuff. Sure, but. It's a place for people to jump in, going. Wow. I can be a part. And then, you know, forgiveness is an event, but purity is a process. Mm. So we're saying, hey, you belong. Now let's work through your salvation process, your faith, your discipleship process as we go. And yeah. they're not—they're not, they're not going to lead small groups right away. You know, we want to know you for a while. Yep. But it, it definitely is a pipeline. After four Sundays, you can jump in and be doing almost anything. Wow.
1: Oh, that's yeah. so clarifying! Thanks for clarifying. That so, for so our, this.
0: so our dream team is up to 180 people, adults, because of that.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And I know you, you guys had quite a launch team. Even as you launched this whole thing, um, yeah. was just absolutely incredible and i know you guys have a gift of you know like like maddie mentioned you could get anyone to say yes um <laughs> uh, you know selling that ketchup popsicle to a kid in white gloves like kid, you know. that's mike you know uh you just have that and, and so that's a gift from god definitely but uh, just to hear kind of the process i think is very helpful for our listeners and those regardless of what their leadership context is um, one of the, the roles of any leader, it doesn't matter if you're a lead pastor, a youth pastor, kids pastor, whatever, is to rally volunteers, to get people on board and to create yeah. these types of pipelines, like you mentioned. Um, so I think that's, that's super helpful. Um, I want to ask you one more question about NOVA and then we're going to move to personal leadership. Um, but yeah. if, if there's a young couple, maybe even an older couple, it doesn't have to be a young couple, but listening to this podcast today, And they have a passion and a dream for church planning. You know, it's been in their heart. They've been thinking about it, contemplating it for a while. What is the best single piece of advice you would give them as they set out on this adventure? And I'm sure it is a bit of an adventure, you know, full of highs and lows, as you've mentioned. But what's the best, you know, two-minute piece of advice you'd give this couple before they launch out?
0: Is... Why? Why do you want to plan a church? Hmm. I think everything comes down to motive. Yeah. Um. I've seen people that plan a church because they want to show someone else that they were better than right. they thought they were. So I'm going to show my old church that I do have this in me or I want to do better than this other person. Or it looks like it could be a lot of fun or I want to have to be able to make my own decisions. I think you got to look at your motive hmm. when we... Because what you build on is what you have to keep building with. And if right. you're building on competition, you're going to be exhausted trying to keep up with this online world of comparing with everybody. If you're building out of maybe hurt or disappointment, I'm going to show them up. Yeah, And you know, you're always going to be out of the reaction of trying to prove something to somebody. What I'm thankful for is for me and Nancy is we pastor, like we parent. And where this vision came from, we sat down, we were just dreaming saying there's got to be people like us. And again, because we started this new journey of the story of life of, we feel like we had our own language that envision and kind of like culture. And we tried to find that culture. And I felt God say to me, if you can't find that culture to join, you need to build that culture for others to join. And we spent two years kind of looking for that culture and, we interviewed in some breathtaking places and, and other things. And yeah. so for, for us, it wasn't out of a reaction of, of reacting to somebody else. It was, we would sit there and go, there's gotta be someone. There's gotta be more people like us that want to walk this out as a family. And we want all ages, young adults, and we want older people. But generally we're like, there's gotta be people that want to do this as a family Yeah, that want to do, that want to do life together and laugh together and do faith together and we would say, think we sit in Starbucks and going, what if that person over there who we don't know, what if, what if they're, they're meant to be our best friend? And what if that person's meant to be our, you know, our future in-laws where their kids and our kids will marry? Like, wow. there's people out here who we've never met. <laughs> there's got to be somebody out here that wants to do church the way we see it. So our motive came out of that. So because of that, we've already dis- defined success. It's not a number. It's, it's a culture and because we can have a certain amount of numbers and we can't keep up the growth that we've seen. We've already seen some plateauing and, but we've never chased numbers or been down with numbers. We've had numbers drop because it's always been about, okay, is this the right culture? Do we feel, do we feel purpose? And as long as we feel purpose, um, then we feel God's pleasure. And as long as we feel God's pleasure, then we're good. So for us, I would say, the greatest thing is, what's your motive? Yeah, and so, Again, I go back. I like using kids as an analogy. People can have kids because they feel like, man, I'm getting too old. I have to have kids. Or, man, all my friends are getting married, having kids. We have to have kids. Or, I, I just got to raise. Now we can afford kids. And I don't think those are great reasons. I, got, I think it has to be. I feel like together, we want to reproduce and bring a life in and raise this person. A little bit of you, a little bit of me. And let's figure this out as we go, but let's raise a life together. If that's your motive, then your family has started with the right why. Yeah. Um, because if it's competition, you know you'll have three kids because your friends had three kids, or you'll feel like you have to go on vacation to Florida because they went to. You'll right. feel like you'll right. feel like because if the goal is let's start a family together because we – out of love for each other, that's what we did. And I would encourage people if your motive is right, um, then you'll have what you need for the journey.
1: Is there anything, that's so good, Mike, um, is there anything further, you know, a little deeper in terms of litmus tests for that? Because I, I talked to so many leaders and I, leaders are are great at having the right answers and saying the right things. So yeah. it's not that anyone would come out and probably give you an answer, you know, that we would look at and go, well, wow, your motives are wrong or impure or whatever. Yeah. But is there a test that we can all ask ourselves when you say, what's your why, how do we know that our motives, because it's, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to know deep in our hearts. And I know God's taken me on my own journey through that yeah. over the past few years that have been tough. And, but he's scraped a lot of that, that I would say even five years ago, you know, I would give you the right answer that I have yeah. the right motives to do this or that or whatever. But yeah. now looking back, I know deep in my heart, I didn't. And yeah. God's had to do that open heart surgery on me. So what would you say to a leader who maybe knows how to, Phrase it right,
0: but yeah.
1: Is there a way of telling?
0: I think so. I think you know. I've learned as parenting that I don't believe in quantity time. I believe in qual. I don't believe in quality time. I believe in quantity time. Yeah, meaning you just can't choose what's going to be quality. But I've learned that, especially bedtimes. But there's other times during the day when you you know you want your kids. How was your day? You know, they give you one word answers. Anything you're struggling with. But then all of a sudden you're just hanging out, watching the Raptors game or you're going for a drive or you're tucking them in. And all of a sudden we call it, they open the window yeah. and they open the window and they're just like, man, you know, there's this kid at school and I'm kind of worried about them or uh, I'm kind of thinking about this test coming up or they, they let you into their life and you can't ask them for it. They just open. Like yeah. you can't say at supper time, tell us your highlight of your day. The window doesn't open when you want it to, you have to be waiting for it. I think in our own lives, those moments when you find yourself daydreaming, maybe it's going to sleep at night, maybe on a drive, maybe on a flight, maybe just in the morning when you dream, what's your motive in that unguarded moment? So it's not a, it's not a personality test. It's not an Enneagram. It's not, Mm. you know, and it's like when you, when you let your guard down in your daydreaming, are you on a stage and you're hearing people? are, Are you, are you showing people what you can do? Are you, Hmm. are you dreaming about people that didn't believe in you, you know, scrolling through your Instagram or hearing reports going, oh, wow. Wow. In your, in, in your most unguarded moment, when you play that, that scenario of success in your mind, what are you feeling and who are you hoping Hmm. are, are impacted by it in that unguarded moment? I think that's the time where you can just stop and go, whoa, 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 what, why? That's my true heart. And for me it's that unguarded moment. It's going, where do I dream? Where do I kind of be kernel for that moment? What do I hope happens if this goes well? And in that moment, if I can catch myself, that's a great litmus test of what I'm really feeling and what my real motive is.
1: Hmm. That's so helpful. So good. I'm, uh, I'm glad you shared that with uh, our listeners today. I think that's awesome. The, the unguarded moments, uh, I think speaks a lot to what's deep rooted inside of our hearts It's like you say, it's, it's kind of like, I use the analogy all the time, peeling the layers back off an onion to get to the core. You know, a lot of stuff is surface in our, you know, and we go and we try and medicate or whatever the surface, but it's really surface stuff. What's beneath all of that. And I've had some, some cool moments recently, even with our own kids in, in that, you know, drill, really drilling down, like, okay, what's below that though. Um, and, And getting to those sweet spots where, okay, like you said, now the window's open. We can actually, you know, do some business here. It's good. Um, let me switch to, to personal leadership. And I know I've asked a few personal questions already, but there's one here. Uh, I I know ministry's tough. I know you know that. I know Nancy knows that. Uh, and especially building something significant, as as significant as NOVA, that I'm sure comes with a price. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, as Christian leaders, we're not always exempt from suffering, pain, heartache, etc. Um, and you guys no doubt have experienced this in your own lives, yeah. in your family. Yeah. And I know even a bit of Nancy's journey. And uh, that's why I was really hoping to have her here today. I know she's experienced some significant health challenges over the past few years. Um, maybe you could share maybe on her behalf and then we'll get to you personally, Mike, but you guys have been through some stuff. Talk to us about that, navigating (laughs) those challenges and what you've learned through it and how you've gotten through it. Cause you haven't just gotten through it. You know, I think sometimes, sometimes thriving, what I've learned in the past season is sometimes thriving is actually just surviving.
0: Yes. it is, And
1: uh, I'm okay with that. I, I used to not always think that way but I, I have a different perspective on it now after going through some of the things we've faced is that yeah. sometimes just the fact that you made it, that is thriving. Yeah. And, and so how did you guys make it through? Uh, talk to us about what those challenges were and how you've managed to make it through.
0: Yeah. Again, it's going to sound really negative, but I, it's not, it's, you know, as a preacher and there's probably quite a few preachers or maybe even worship leaders listening to this, is we always want to hit that home run. I always use baseball, though I hate the sport. I love the analogy. <laughs> but it's like, man, that was a home run. You know. And when you go to these conferences and you name your favorite preacher, they hit nothing but home runs all the time. Yeah. But I'll walk off sometimes and Nancy goes, how was that? I'm like, that was a stand-up single. Yeah. How was that? I, I slid into second and I just made it. <laughs> but the truth is, if you hit a single every time that you're a bat, you know what they call you? Hall of Famer yeah <laughs> like yeah. unbelievable yeah so sometimes just getting on base no no one brags about singles but if you get on base every single day in your mm-hmm. leadership you mm-hmm. are a hall of fame so um just kind Good. of re- put it on perspective but so we we launched um our we launched our church kind of uh, made it known in september of a year and we've put ourselves on a year-long um journey to build the church slowly because again we had no idea what we were doing and the style of church plant the model we used is a year-long process for fundraising and we had no church planting us we had no money given to us so it was from day one trying to you know i can't i have no talents i can't play anything i can't do a soundboard i can't do accounting so we're just like how do we do this figure this stuff out so then yeah nancy's mother had passed away from cancer um, a few years before that. And then her younger sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then in that process, she had genetics tests done. And it's a whole new world for us. We, i had never heard yeah. this stuff before. And yeah. in the, in the genetics, she was classified as Baraka two or Baraka three. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think Baraka two. And what that basically means is that your body does not have the ability to suppress tumors or cancer. So if you get a tumor, it wow. just, it just spreads quickly and it escalates. And yeah. So they encouraged all of, um, her family to get these testing. So Nancy had it done and she was a Baraka two carrier. And so basically I might be off on this number, but the average woman's chance of breast cancer might be 17 to 20%. If you have this, it's more like 93%. Um, ovarian yeah. cancers uh cervical cancer jumps to 90 percent. so they say yeah. it's not if you get cancer it's when and I, right. know, I, I know people maybe in the faith community are jumping at that statement going but just from a medical point of view that's what they were saying so right they were saying recommending that nancy get a hysterectomy and a double mastectomy right away and um it sounds it sounds aggressive it sounds really um kind of a severe step to make but nancy looked at it like removing bullets from a gun. And she said, I choose life over my looks over my body. And I'm in this for the long haul. I want to raise my kids and my grandkids. I want to be your wife. I want to lead this church. So she made the, I mean, she's so courageous. She's a hero. And she said, I'm going to do what I can in faith. Cause she was going for tests every, every two months to make sure, because they said, we have to scan your body, whether it be an MRI or a mammogram or an ultrasound every month and a half, two months, because if you get a tumor anywhere or something, it'll spread so fast, you'll be dead. Wow. So she went in oh, in, May, in May and she had the hysterectomy. Um, I was traveling full-time at the time, took the kids with me for that week to BC to a conference. And then we came back and then she, I was still traveling full-time and she, you know living off savings and a little bit of money from traveling. And she was started leading the church and our, our team meetings and our team at that point was up to about – 70 adults and 30 kids, about 120 people in the church to 110. And, and then we launched in September. And, you know, just to put it in perspective, we had the largest church plant at that point in the history of Eastern Canada on our opening day. And that was September. And in December, yeah. in December, she had a double mastectomy and was off work for six weeks. And the old model would have been, you know, I've seen it and I'm not judging it, but pastor's wives were on the front row and they would, be there more as a support, but we right. built this on each other where half the engine was gone for six weeks. And I remember texting her one day from the front row saying, it's not the same without you. And it wasn't just emotional. It was like, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. In fact, Christmas, the Sunday of Christmas, that whatever that Sunday was, I was supposed to preach and her tubes fell out her drainage tube and I had to rush into emergency and I'm texting my team. You need to preach. I'm on my way to the hospital. And we navigated wow. that season. Yeah. And again, just the grit and the toughness my wife has. And, you know, she's, she's so in the middle of that to keep growing, keep learning, keep reaching out, keep doing calls, keep pastoring, um, huge, huge challenge, huge challenge. But, but again, no one impresses me more than my wife. That's why it's not just romantic or me getting brownie points. Like she is so strong and she's a hero to me. Wow. Yeah,
1: that is quite the journey, and and uh, one you know I'm sure you guys are continually reminded of and and uh, walk through on a on a daily basis yeah. the effects of that uh, you know on you both and uh, wow thanks for being so transparent and open about talking through that and, and Mike I, I know you know maybe as a result maybe part of it uh, I don't know I'm not a therapist but um, we talk regularly you know and, and I know. As of recently, you've also been walking through some challenges yourself surrounding your own physical slash mental health. Yeah. And as, as comfortable as you're sharing, Mike, uh, just let us in on a bit of the journey that you've been walking through because the more and more leaders I'm talking to, especially driven leaders that are actually doing something, yeah.
0: um,
1: you're not alone, first of all, because I know what you're walking a little bit. And I've experienced it in um, and m- every other leader I'm talking to lately in some way, shape, or form. And I know everybody's mountain is different. Your mountain is your mountain, but we're all kind of, mm. uh, there's just echoing this across our nation. Yeah. And uh, so talk to us a little bit just about what you've been experiencing. Maybe you've, you know, had some successes in that or some growth that you've seen, you know, kind of, again, getting to the root, yeah. peeling back the layers a little bit. Yeah. Um, but as as comfortable as you're sharing, just, yeah, walk us through that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've never seen a day like this. It seems like everybody's dealing with it. And um, I have some theories on why, but I just, it's its unbelievable. Even as a speaker for two years, you know, the number one call at altar calls, you know, I'd be in a group of 3,000 students and the number one would be either mental, you know, mental health or depression or suicidal thoughts. Or, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, mental health, you know, that term wasn't even around when we were growing up, Jer. Like, No. terms like anxiety or, or stress even like, and that we have, we have nine year olds with anxiety and stress and it's real. And so it's been a real shift in our culture and I'm thankful for some amazing people that are teaching on it. And as leaders, I think we have to be aware of it. I was the kind of guy that said, just, you know, just suck it up. Like, you know, I believe in just, I'm a kind of like my grandfather's generation of don't wear gloves, you know, spit on your hands. You're good to go. You know, but for me, um, I haven't dealt with depression and I'm thankful for that, but it was a year ago, uh, around Easter time, something just fell off a little before that. So I couldn't tell what was happening, but I just fell off in my body. Mentally, I was good. Uh, I just felt like something was off. And then good Friday came and I was asked to preach at this unity thing in our city. And I said, no, I said, I just feel like I don't have the capacity. It's the word I kept using. I just feel like, cause I'm very aware. I've even turned down a lot of speaking engagements because for now I'm feeding people every single week and it's not fair to plant a church or to really start a family and then feed the neighbors. If you don't, can't feed your own family. And as a leader, I'm rising. I I only have so much in my cupboard. Um, so, um, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to preach. And finally they asked me the fifth time and said, please. And I love Easter. I love good Friday. Like I just, it's one of my favorite days of the year. And as a preacher, it just, you know, just it's the day is such an amazing day. And, Sure. I went and preached and I thought I did all right. I came and sat down. My my wife goes, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you sucked. (laughs) (laughs) She said it nicer than that. So honest. But she's like, no, something's wrong. I'm like, I thought I crushed it. (laughs) And I thought that was a stand-up triple. And she's like, babe, like, I think you get struck out. She's like, what, what's wrong? (laughs) She said, it's like, it's like you're a step behind. Like, it's like you're off your rhythms off. I'm like, and I was like, man, Something's wrong. So yeah. that, sa- that Saturday, yeah. I text my mom, 78-year-old mother who's a prayer warrior and our front door person at our church, and I said, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I'm out for a 5K walk, but I'm just not feeling right. Pray. Sunday, we had Easter. Had a huge Sunday. God moved. People got saved. Record crowd. Amazing. All wins. No no losses. All wins. You know, as yeah. that song, all we do is win, win, win. And then yeah. Thursday after Easter, I'm driving my kids home from school. And all of a sudden I felt like someone was sitting on my chest. I was having a heart attack and my kids are talking to each other. They don't notice. They're listening to radio and we're just, they're laughing. And I I thought, I'm not going to make it. And I thought if I pull over here, my kids are going to see me die. uh, Or they're going to have to call an ambulance. And I thought if I can just get home, then I'll figure it out. And I pulled in the driveway, they went in the house and I slumped over in the car, hyperventilating. And my wife wow. came My wife came out, opened the door, didn't say a word, grabbed me by the arm. And she took me by the arm, led me the back way so my kids wouldn't see me upstairs. And I laid in bed and cried for an hour and then hyperventilated off and on for most of the day, um, not knowing what was going on. I thought mm. at first I, thought I was having a heart attack, but I knew enough about panic attacks and some of this stuff. I thought, no, I don't think I'm having a heart attack. And then... I couldn't leave the house for the next four days. Um, yeah. I tried to get in the car to drive me for a, a drive. And I almost like punched the windows out because I claustrophobic so quick. And yeah. I don't know what happened. I know what happened now is a panic attack. And I just went into this, this, this four days and then um, I didn't know what happened. So I've been on this journey, you know, the body say, the Bible says we're made body, soul, and spirit. I've been working on my body, my soul, which is my emotions and thoughts and my spirit. And it's a combination of all three. So yeah. the great thing is everything is positive. So that's why I was frustrated. I went and saw my family doctor and I said, I don't get this. He's like, you, he's like, your body has gone through traumatic experiences. That yeah. was, that was his words. And yeah. he's like the last five years, they've been great, but you know, I'll, I'll be honest speaking in front of crowds. I didn't belong in front of like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't talented enough or connected enough to speak in front of 4,000 kids. And I'm thrown in between two breathtaking speakers that everybody follows and navigating that adrenaline and that uh, new skill set, and then navigating just 130 flights a year and then transitioning from my old church and all those relationships and navigating and then, you know, starting a church and building a church and launching a church and then my wife's surgeries. And he said, Mike, you ever pull your car into a driveway after a long trip? And you shut the engine off and you can hear the engine ticking, tick, tick, tick. He said, that's what's happening to your body. I said, because I said, I'm, uh, we're doing okay financially. You know, I'm not traveling. The yeah. church is going well. Right. My family's good. My wife's feeling healthy finally. Everything's yeah. good. He goes, it's, you're having echoes from what you've gone through. Hmm. So between that, I started looking. I said, God, I don't know what it is, but I'm going go I'm going to go hard after this. So for body, I went to my doctor and I'm not against medicine. I think God uses medicine. Uh, I believe God can heal in an instant, but I also believe in medicine. And I think sometimes the church, I think the church is coming around, but the church used to be very much against anything with anxiety or depression medicine. And a mutual friend of ours, Jeannie Mayo would say it this way, you know, when it's the neck down, we have no problem taking it, but the neck up, we get all super spiritual and We'll take blood pressure medicine or we'll take Advil for our knees, but we won't take something else. So I started on low grade anxiety medicine, um, which didn't do anything. I started, I started seeing a therapist for my soul. Um, and I didn't love that, but I didn't hate it. I don't know if it did anything, but I was committed to the journey. Um, I started putting more boundaries in on yeses and nos turned down a lot of speaking engagements, tried to get more sleep. Um, started drinking more water, practically exercising more um, prayer wise, started trying to look after my soul more um, doing intentional things that way. Um, I had chest pains from May until September this year, every single day. And then in September um, it led up. And part of that was I started dealing with some things like tough conversations I had to have with people um, identifying that Um, the medicine, they increased it. That seemed to help. Um, started being more intentional with my days off, um, started looking for more opportunities to laugh. We, we opened an office finally as a church. So again, you know, as of this date, we're running about 400 people on Sundays and we never had an office. We were meeting in Starbucks and homes and so opened an office so that the church can run more so than without me and Nancy and some practical steps as far as infrastructure, some practical with medicine and exercise, some practical with vacation and rest and i can say it's the best i've felt now in a year i still have some moments where my chest feels a little heavy but i would yep. say, i would say more times than not i feel really good um That's i've had good. to build my leadership muscle of having tough conversations i don't like conflict so yeah. i'm the guy if, if if i if i hear a noise in my car like my brakes i'm thinking it might be a rock just keep going it'll be fine yeah. and <laughs> you know it, it'll it'll be fine if you sure. know like if i see something wrong it'll be fine and yeah. I and I give people the chance; they'll figure it out. And I've realized yeah. as a leader, sometimes you need to go have tough conversations. And so I've stopped I've stopped putting things off and addressing things and lowering the stress. And and um, I feel like my stress is now manageable because I've been dealing with things head on. And I think between the body, soul, and the spirit together, I've seen the transformation. But what's amazing is it's been nothing but wins. Um, yeah, the, the last three years have been the best of our lives in the last 3 years have been the most challenging of our lives.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it's so so true and uh so much what you just said Mike resonates with me and I'm sure all kinds of leaders listening today. Um and and what you're really saying is everything is connected, you yeah. know, and our body, mind, spirit as you said, like everything is connected. And so when one thing off there's the ripple effect of that into other areas physically emotionally spiritually that's whatever what the case that's, may what, be. that's
0: what i'm learning like jared i preached a great sermon i mean like people i think that one sunday i think we saw 12 people get saved it was one of those yeah. sundays where actually the band sounded good and i sounded good and the production it's a rare day like some days it, like it's <laughs> bad and it was a great sunday and i walked behind the screen and no one knew i was there i laid down had a full-on panic attack couldn't breathe for 10 minutes yeah and i'm like wow. it's real so it's, yeah. it's, and you know, some people are going some real things. People are going through divorce or health issues or financial stresses. And I can say I had none of that going on at that time. And yeah. I do believe also more than ever in spiritual warfare. Um, sure. I honestly believe that more than ever. And I think sometimes a good prayer, a good nap and a good laugh can fix a lot of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So helpful. Thanks for, uh, again, the authenticity. You share your journey. I know, you know, we uh, we lead from our strengths, but we really do connect with others, mm. especially those listening today through our weaknesses. And I wanna
0: I wanna I wanna thank you. You're one of those guys I can reach out to in this time and go, I just need you to pray and um you're not trying to fix it. You just listen yeah. and pray and I'm just really thankful again for your friendship.
1: Yeah, well it goes this goes the same way and listen, we're we are in this together and what I'm learning more and more. In leadership, the the longer I'm in leadership, is that we're so stronger, wiser. Yeah. We're just better together. Yeah, I agree. uh, And and better connected. And I I know it's hard from a distance sometimes, but we're thankful for technology, like uh, what we're using today. And uh, speaking of technology, what a beautiful segue. I want to talk what's happening today. And I don't kind of want to end this way for this conversation. I appreciate all the time you're giving us today, Mike. I know you're so busy. Um, but COVID-19, um, you can call it crisis. You can call it opportunity, mm. whatever you want. Um, but you're leading this, this church and we're all kind of hit with the magnitude of, and it all happens so fast. Yeah. And it's not that we even have like, everything is still so fluid. It's still so unknown. Yeah. We don't have an end date in sight. Mm. We, we, we don't know the implications even a year from now, what, it, what it's going to mean. Um, This is probably the biggest challenge since launching Nova Church, I would imagine. Um, And it's not just, you know, it's not just to, it's not just felt by a church plant. It's felt by every church, every ministry, you know, businesses, everything. So talk to us for a second, real quick. What's been the biggest challenge for a relatively new church since this COVID-19 has kind of hit and the implications of, you know, essential businesses, shutting down all of that, not being able to have your large gatherings. You'd mentioned a moment yeah. ago, you're kind of running about 400 people now on a Sunday gathering. So how, what, how have you guys done it? How, what's been the greatest challenge? And I know you, you've already spoken that you're online. Yeah. And so maybe you guys were out ahead of this already and you're fully prepped, but what's, what have you, kind of been those uh, where you felt those pinch points
0: yeah the challenge the challenge as a, a church like us is we don't own a building yeah. so we have to push everything you know whether you say you want to or not to a sunday gathering service so there is no midweek there is no drop into the office at a big church there is no throwing together a basketball game midweek really is it's sunday morning you're in and we work hard and we just go we you know we blow in we blow up we blow out Um, when you remove that, you remove a lot of your options, but we always say, whether we're have a building or not, we always say church is a face, not a place. It's more than a service. So the challenge has actually been the opportunity, but the challenge is, okay, we no longer have a place. So we we can't even do, Hey, stop by the church, you know, let's get together and, and build groceries together for our community. We don't have anywhere you can go. We do have an office. We just launched a very small office. So it's been okay. What is church? It, again, I'm thankful that our church is more jet ski than ocean liner that we can turn really quick. Sure. But it's like, okay, what is church? Church is community. How do we build community if you can't be together? Cause we say this, the best part of church is not the preaching. It's the lobby and the coffee and we give out yeah. thousands of cups of coffee. How do we recreate moments of connection? Because before this, we're always saying get offline online's not real. It's, you know, but now we're all saying get online, We're zooming. Yeah. We're, we're FaceTiming, yeah. we're Instagramming. Yeah. It's how do we build? So the, the challenge has been how do we have community if we don't see each other at least once a week, which is where right. the creative ideas come in and opportunities. So we're navigating that. We did not have an online presence as far as a service intentionally um, because okay. I feel like people would stay home instead of coming to church. Right. But what we, had, um thank God for his help, but we started six months ago with a YouTube channel that no one knew existed. And we were okay. putting all our creative elements on it. So for six months, we've been putting videos that we do in church, we'd put them on. And then we started putting on full sermons, but no one knew about them. And the goal okay. was maybe in six months from now, we'd launch it and go, hey, here's six months worth of full sermons. And we'd have a, we call it a video podcast. So basically if I preach Sunday, it would be up by Wednesday so that you'd come for live church, but if you wanted to rewatch it, you could. So we had all that infrastructure built and then this happened and we just had to fast wow. forward. So we, we launched our YouTube channel. People were like, where did, where was this? Why is all this stuff yeah. on there? Yeah. And then we have an amazing production team. So we turned our office into a studio. And in fact, we started using it for other churches. We told other churches, wow. come in and use it for free. Our production team will record at this point, two or three other churches are using it for their sermons. We record it for them, edit it for them. So we're the ones that wow. have nothing, but now we're actually helping other churches. That's incredible. So for us, it's like, even yesterday, how do we make community and touch points without actually touching anymore? Yeah. So we just started even an email to our church yesterday of, if you need help, if you're vulnerable, age, if you're a single parent, if you're quarantined, if you're immobile, if you're sick, if you can't afford groceries, email this form. And we're today starting delivering groceries to people all over our city and trying wow. to be the church. We started uh, an, good. A, an, a devotional by our leaders is centered every morning right now at 6 a.m. As a touch point, we're doing Zoom small groups starting April 1st. Um We're, we're adapting going, how do we build community? Because the service, now the service is great. You know, it's not as sure. good as normal, but we usually have about 400 people, give or take. And this last Sunday, our views, we had close to 4,000 people watch our sermon. Wow. So that's great. Wow. But- My real number is, you know, transparent. Our giving is down 50% last week. We're hoping that's going to rebound. But more importantly, what are we doing practically to build community? Because now mental health, people are going to feel more alone than ever. They felt alone before. So I have my kids. I'm trying to hide from them. But if you're single living at home, you're going crazy right now. What can we do to help that person? What can we do to help people that are over 70, that don't have the technology, they are not comfortable with streaming and Instagramming and FaceTiming? So yep. our scramble is not how do we get money or how do we get more views. It's how do we actually get connect points with people. So that's the challenge, and that's also the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I've heard a uh, a leader say a mutual friend Kevin Shepard. It says the socially distancing while remaining relationally persistent. Yes, uh, during these times, and it sounds like that's what you guys are trying to navigate and figure out too. Yeah. Is how do you how do you maintain that relational persistence? Um, despite these, you know, legislations, basically, to, to tell us to social distance. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Did I hear, and maybe this is just a rumor, maybe I, I have my facts, uh, I've been misinformed, but did I hear you guys are trying, or, or maybe you've already done it, a drive-in church? Is that correct, or was that just a rumor? I is totally false. That is
0: true, but we just canceled it. I'll tell you okay. why. We, okay. Because as of when we started it, dreamt it up a week and a half ago, the restrictions were in such a way that you couldn't meet under 50. You could meet if you were under 50. So we had right. it all worked out. It was going to be safe. People stay in their cars. We're going to have hired the police to make sure yep. no one left their cars. We had um, a, C- a Canadian famous, amazing band who's actually okay. their their songwriter and producer and owner go, got saved at our church. They were going to perform and we're going to call it concert in cars, you know, after Easter in cars and we were going to have it okay. safe and, Bought, yeah. a, bought a radio transmitter so we could actually transmit to your radio, so you tune to a certain station. And we right. had we had a stage bought, uh, rented. But then when it dropped down to five people, we thought we could probably still do it. But as a church, we just don't want to follow the law. We want to follow the spirit right. of the law. And sure. you know, churches sure. we don't want. It's not our chance to be rebellious. We want to help. So we've yeah. postponed it. So maybe it'll be coming out of quarantine party. We might do it. Who knows when that'll be? June or July. Okay um okay. so right now we're looking at new ideas for easter but we had that and i'll tell you man we we had the newspapers reporting on it and radio and people were jumping at that and we just canceled it just uh I, but again here's where god helps us then we had this advertising company come to us this week just two days ago and said we have all these empty billboards we'd like to give them to your church wow for, and all you got gonna do is pay, pay 800 bucks for the printing but you can't mention god jesus or anything spiritual Wow. So we put on there that hope is greater than fear. And then Nova church underneath of it, that's going to go up in the next couple of days. And then wow. there's another one that says, you are not alone. And then our website and just try to breathe some hope. So, so good. You know, so good. where where the devil puts in a block, God makes a way, you know?
1: Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, yeah, obviously we're, we're all navigating this together and uh, these are, crazy times but exciting times i yeah. think for the church i think uh you know there is people having conversations with all kinds of leaders lately just about the opportunities you know you can view it through whatever lens you want to but the 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 cool thing about it is the opportunities and people's openness to the gospel yeah. right now there's yeah. a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty and when those two things kind of mesh together, it creates this, this breeding ground for this openness to the gospel, which
0: I just think is awesome. One of my mentors always said, Mike, you'll always have work if you can find problems to solve. And I think church planning is solving problems. People that are far from God. That's what our churches, our slogan is our theme, our message, our mantra is helping those far from God, become close to God. And if you can solve problems, you'll always have work, whether you be a carpenter, a doctor, uh, a mechanic, in this place, find a problem. People are isolated. People need help. If you can solve those problems, I believe, I think that's what mm-hmm. I think that's what Daniel did. I think that's what Joseph did. And I think that's what God promotes. And if your heart does not look at me, but what giant can I kill? You know, promotion comes on the other side of giants. So right now as a church, we're yeah. surrounded with giants. But I do see opportunities for promotion for the local church everywhere.
1: Oh, that's yeah. so good. Well, this is this has been so helpful and, and uh, just so rich, Mike. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this today, despite all your leading and all your navigating through this COVID stuff with Nova and your family and everything else. And just appreciate your friendship so much. And uh, any last bit of advice, resources, whatever you want to share with our listeners today? Before no, we sign but can off? I end
0: with a question? Are you going to have your own TikTok account? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, I may already have one. So uh, I know I don't know when we're dropping this episode. Probably next week. But um, I, I have not shared it with my kids yet. I'm trying to get enough views on it before so they can say, whoa, Dad, that's legit. Instead well, I, of Dad, I promise that's so cr- you, your kids cringy. do not
0: listen to your podcast. So, Jeremy, what, what is, <laughs> that's what is true, your they name? You
1: know, I haven't even been on it enough. I have one yep. video posted. And i I think... I think I, I may have gone old school and gone uh, gourd and then underscore uh, yes. dog, uh, D, yes. D- O G, just yes. to keep it old school. So my kids yes. couldn't find it. So, anyways, um, but it, you, you might see something. So the I next will say week this so. all, They just all don't kidding know aside, it yet, so.
0: Me and my wife are investing in laughter <laughs> more than ever. We went and saw my favorite comedian in January here, and I laughed. Uh, for mental health, go get TikTok. Follow Gord underscore Dog, and your life will be better. <laughs> oh, and God man. will build His church. That's it. And Jesus will reign. That's right. Follow Come Gord on. underscore on. Dog on TikTok. My goodness. Um, speaking <laughs> of uh, social
1: media and, and following people, Mike, where can our listeners find you? Or and Nancy, where can they they find you if they want to follow your story? For yeah, What's just the just search
0: up uh, Nova Church Halifax, and you'll find us there somewhere. And just, again, our church has been built by the world, people giving financially, including your family, um, people all over the world, their prayers, their talent, they've moved to be a part of our church, and they've given in every way. And we're so thankful. And, you know, if you want to follow our journey and pray for us and cheer us on, we sure appreciate it. We need it. And we're so thankful for the global church. But yeah, Nova Church, Halifax, look it up and you'll definitely find us there.
1: Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. And uh, please send our, our thanks in regards to Nancy as well and your awesome family. But thanks for doing this today. We love Appreciate you and thank you, you. There it is, my conversation with Mike Miller. I hope you found this to be encouraging to your own life and leadership today. And if you have found it encouraging, would you go ahead and do us a favor and just share it? Whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, they all have share buttons where you can share this with a friend who might also find it encouraging. Stop hoarding the resources out there today and go ahead and share it with a friend. Until next month, I hope that you know your leadership really does matter.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.